I see that the rumor has gotten out that the preacher spits. The empty front row is not unnerving to me at all. Thank you, Carol, for being in your regular spot. I, I didn't floss today just for you to make sure everything, most of it stayed inside, so I, I'm grateful to that. So. Um, I want to say that um, Freedom Center Church will be expanding until the end of time. Uh, as the kingdom of God expands, so we as people expand. And uh, hi, sweetie. What is her name? Sailor, like with an S? Sailor, I love that. I'm sorry. I'm a grandpa. Just shut up for a second. Hi, Sailor. What a doll. What a doll. So we are working feverishly behind the scenes to do some pretty incredible things, but I'm asking this morning for prayer for wisdom as things and opportunities and things come and go. Now, just, just you know, it's not like, oh, are you leaving now? You have to pray about that. We're staying, right? So that's not our, our thing. Yay, good, yeah, yeah. No, I need a vacation, but we are staying, and we will be here forever. And you guys got ignored the whole time, didn't you? So I'll just talk to you for a while. Um, I'm just, it's just fun. Can I say that? I'm exhausted this morning, but I can't remember two weeks that had more difficulties in it in years. But I also can't remember a time when I just felt more engaged in combat. My last name is Wiegand, and that Wiegand is German. It's a Wiegand. A Wiegand is uh, someone who's hired to join the army. It's, it's a mercenary. <laughs> so within my blood, within my DNA is the desire to fight. I love a good fight. Before I met Jesus, I fought for all the wrong things. But now that I met Jesus, how many guys know Jesus doesn't take the fight out of you? Jesus puts the fight in you. And today we're going to talk about fighting, fighting in the kingdom of God, fighting for the advancement of the kingdom of God. So you're like, well, I'm really kind of a pacifist. That's great. But Jesus wasn't. So, well, no, no, if your enemy strikes on one cheek, yeah, you don't shoot him. But don't think that turning the other cheek takes an act of cowardice. It takes an act of bravery. <laughs> so we are called to be courageous. We're called to take land. We're called to expand the kingdom. We're called to fight in very specific ways we'll be talking about this morning. So back to last week's chair. Let's take a look at this. I want to review something because we're building up to something next week. I almost warned you about, but I just decided not to. If you're here next week, you're going to be part of something that I have not done in many, many years, but I find it crucial. And we're actually building to a conversation that we're going to have together next week. And it all makes sense next week. And it was like, what's all the mystery about? I, if I told you, you'd be prepared. I'd rather you just came in innocent as lambs and, uh, and ready for the understanding that we're going to share together. So there's four legs on a chair if it's stable. Last week, we talked about the four things. We talked about God is omnipresent. That means God is where? right? He's, he's omniscient, which means God knows what? Okay. We talked about God being uh, all, uh, omnipotent, omnipotent, right? Which means God is all. And we talked about, fourthly, God being what? Do you remember? Just good. God's good. And we talked about if, if this fundamental truth through the ages is challenged, it's challenged in one of those four places. Like God may be good, but if God is good, he can't be all-knowing because I'm going through hell and he doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. So if he's all-knowing, thanks for nothing, he must be good. But if God is good, well, then God must be this beautiful, wonderful, kind, you know, butterscotch candies in his pocket grandfather who forgot about me. So if, if he's good, he can't be all-knowing. If he's all-knowing, he can't be good. If, he, if he's good and all-knowing, he must not be powerful because my circumstances are changing. And you understand the tactics of the devil is to get us with at least one missing leg on the chair that constitutes a solid faith. You still here? That makes sense? So we talked about that last week, and this battle that we're going to talk about today is going to build off of that, but I want to remind you, come on, God is everywhere, which means he's omnipresent. Today, I'm reversing it, so you have to use the big words now. God knows everything, which means he's omniscient. 
Three of you that got A's in school know this. The rest are like, sit next to the smart girl. That's how you get C's, right? God is all powerful, which means he's omni, he's omnipotent. <laughs> That's right, good. And, uh, and lastly, we all agree that God is, he's just good, man. Omnibenevolent, he's good. So let's build on that. This, this week's battle is through the ages. It's not nearly as old as Genesis chapter four, but it does begin in Acts chapter two, and that is the kingdom of God on earth advancing the kingdom of God on earth. Today I want to talk to you about advancing the kingdom of God on earth. The message of the kingdom is the first and primary message of everybody you know in the New Testament. It is the first message of John the Baptist. We find this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. It's the first message of Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It's the first message of the disciples, Mark chapter 6, verse 12. It's the first message of the Apostle Paul. Um, and the one I have in here in my notes is Acts 19. But well before that, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Ephesians, Romans, Colossians, Galatians. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Why? Why is it that the Bible the characters, the people that started this faith we know today call Christianity. Why is it it's the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom? Why, why repent for the kingdom of heaven is near? Why is that? And look at this, this phrase, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look at this up here. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's all over the New Testament, by the way, but it's the first, it's the central, it's the primary message of all the New Testament apostles, our savior, Paul, everybody, Gentiles, Jews, everybody. This is the message of the gospel. So let me break this down a little bit because there's a lot going on here. The next slide I'll tell you a little bit more. What what does it mean as we break it down? Repent. What's the word repent mean? Well, it means be really sorry at least for an hour so you can go back and do it again next week and get forgiven if you repent next week. Is that what it means? No, it, it repentance, well, to feel super, super condemned. Matter of fact, it is so painful, my reaction to my sin, that it, it actually helps me to be good as long as I feel guilty all week long. If I can feel bad, at least until Saturday night, I can make it to Sunday morning without committing the same sin as last week. Is that what repentance means? No. It's a fundamental changing of the mind, which fruit produces the changing of a course of a life. It's understanding that what I thought, two plus two equals five. They've always told me, two plus two equals five. I've proven it. I had two apples and two apples, and I ate five apples. I have always believed, no matter what anybody said, two plus two is five. But then I realized, hey, wait a minute. When I got out my apples, there's actually only four here. And so I changed my mind. I changed my direction. And now I would say, no, two plus two equals, you just repented. You just found a truth superior to what you previously believed. That's repentance. Repent for the kingdom. What is the kingdom? The kingdom, and this is, it's the Greek word basilia, which isn't helpful to help us understand, but it's... It's this thought that wherever the king is, he's in charge. It's, it's the, the domain of the king, the jurisdiction. Stop, in what name? In the name of the king. That jurisdiction of that name, that signet ring, that position delegated by the king, that's where you find the kingdom, the domain of the king where he has the right to rule and reign. And this last phrase, is at hand, just basically means this. If it's at hand, it means it's not in the other room. It means if you were to reach out right now, from where you are right now, you could grasp it. This is the primary message of the New Testament. Repent. Change your mind. Why? Because the domain of the king is within your grasp. It's right here. It's right now. It's not tomorrow. It's not someday. It's not on streets of gold and crystal seas a thousand years from now. The domain of the king is here and the domain of the king is now. And the domain of the king is in you. So change your mind, your conclusions, your direction. Because the domain of the king, where he has the right to rule and reign, is so close to you now that you could easily grasp it. Now, kingdom... Kingdom's kind of a weird word. Are you with me? 
Like, I don't live in a kingdom. I don't know many people that do live in a kingdom. And when they do, last time we had a king, we kicked his butt and sent him back to Great Britain. So when we say kingdom, there's not necessarily this great feeling about the king. Now, I know the queen just died, and now Charles, but I know, but him and Camilla, and I really like Diana better, and right? So when we talk about the kingdom, I don't know that we really understand what we're saying. So I'm going to substitute a biblical word for a word that's not biblical that might give us a better understanding. If this offends you, then please go to your King James Bible, get out Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12, and you'll see that you have to forgive me. It's in the Bible. Hallelujah. All right? But I'm going to replace the word kingdom with the word culture. Let your culture come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let, let that, that which guides, that which is the unspoken rule, that which has the authority, the culture come. Culture, the values that are cultivated. You find the word cultivated and culture in the same thing. That which is cultivated like seeds and soil that produce a, a civilization, a kingdom, or even just an ethos. So get this. You guys still here? We're getting to the teaching now. The battle we face is the battle of cultivating heaven's culture on earth. Do you see that? Nobody said amen. Let me say it louder, funnier. What's the next tactic I use to get ready? I know. I'll walk out of camera shot, thereby creating interest. <laughs> Let me say it again. The battle we face is creating God's culture and the world's earth. Do you see that? Don't no, amen. It just to make me feel better, but thank you. <laughs> it's nice to have my mother here today. I appreciate that. But, but understand this, the battle we face is the battle of cultivating heaven's culture. And why is this a battle? Because like this next picture will show you, look at these weeds. How many guys have a neighbor like that? Come on, Scott's guard, right? Just put it on. Grass turns green, weeds turn brown. But that is a lawn. What's happening is that's a lot like our world today. There are activated, growing weeds within our culture that are cultures of their own. They're subcultures. If you think of that guy's lawn as every dandelion is someone who firmly believes and has created a culture around something that is absolutely not true, thereby hiding the lawn that is beneath it, killing the lawn that's around it, you will see what we are facing as God's people on this earth. Does that make sense? So there's a culture up there of oh, the, the latest dictator in, in North Korea believing he's a god. Is that a culture in North Korea? Oh, you bet. They're starving to death to glorify a king who is a god in their mind who's just a really bad man right? That's one of those things. How do we change the world's culture? We have to uproot the weeds that exist. Will that be an easy thing to do in North Korea? No, it'll happen one person at a time if it ever happens in your lifetime. Let's talk about political cultures. Okay, let's not. Let's talk about southern culture, northern culture, carpetbaggers, Yankees, crackers, rednecks, NASCAR. Let's talk about New Yorkers versus California people. Basically the same people, only one has a tan but different cultures, the Jewish culture, the Protestant culture, the Catholic culture. How many guys see that if God's singular culture of the kingdom is going to come to earth and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, there's going to be a lot of things uprooted for that to happen, right? Each weed, each weed, <laughs> don't freeze on me now. I don't want to type new words, go away. This is, the world will never give permission to the kingdom of God. The world will never give permission to the kingdom of God. There will always be a fight. Please hear a heart that's, that's tempered down just for a moment. I know you want peace and you're tired of fighting everything and everyone. But the only peace there will ever be is when Jesus wins. And I say that sincerely. But, no, but politically, this group has this for the poor, but this group has this for pro-life and economically capitalism. But there's so few that have so much and there's so many that have so little. And I, I get that. 
But understand this, where Jesus is king, those problems will be solved. You say, well, so you want the church to take over the state? You want there to be a theocracy? No. One of the worst things we can do, now that's another topic for another time, and you'll get mad at me for saying it. But I'm telling you this, the church is best at being the church. And the state at best is being the state. But it wouldn't be nice to have the culture of the church as the state makes its decisions about the citizens. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice to have the culture of the church in education? Wouldn't it be nice to have the, you said the culture of the church, the book-burning, anti-this, phobic, stop. All I want is families, communities, places, places that, that have previous cultures. I want Jesus' culture there where enemies are loved, where sin is not tolerated, but, but the sinner is embraced. I, I want a culture where generosity is not what we do as you extort money called taxes. I want to give to create the world around me that I feel is important. I don't want someone else to tell me what's important and take my dollars to do it in an anti-kingdom way. Are you still here? I know we got political, but understand this. There's been this ongoing cycle, and I go back to the book of Acts and show you this. In the cycle, God does something, and in that something, a, a culture is challenged, and then what happens is the culture comes after the kingdom, and there's a fight. We see this in Acts chapter 2. We have 120 people in a prayer meeting that suddenly breaks out into the day of Pentecost, as we know it. Tongues, languages have never been spoken before by these individuals. They have no knowledge of these, but they're speaking Mesopotamian, Egyptian. People go, what's going on? Well, I, I think they're drunk, because when I get hammered, I, I speak Portuguese. I don't know where they came from, but it seems logical to some. It's in the Bible. So but they say, no, we're not drunk as you suppose. We got a double dose of the Holy Ghost. That's what we got. And so they preach the gospel of Jesus being crucified, dead, resurrected, ascended to heaven, and 2,000 people joined the 120 and get baptized that day. How many of you guys know that's a good day at church? You deserve to go to Denny's and high five after that one. That was, a, that was a good day at church. Good day at church. Didn't Megan do a great job? Good day at church, right? I'm, I'm telling you this. After that, it got better because in chapter three, all the believers had everything in common. They, they didn't, it wasn't just the day of salvation. It became the kingdom. So if I have two and you have none and, and I have warmth and you're shivering, I'm going to give you my one, if not my two because it's mine to give away. And the love of Christ starts to flow so freely that they had everything in common. So if it's my food, it's your food. If it's my home, it's your home. Remember, people travel from all over the known world to be there at the day of Pentecost, and they stayed. How many of you guys have relatives like that? They, they didn't go home. Uncle Eddie parked the RV right in front of the house, man. And, 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 but instead of it being this big problem, they became one family. So their cultural food and their games their kids played and, their lang- and they all came together as one. It was like heaven on earth. And then in Acts chapter four, two, three, now four, how many of you think the heaven's making some progress? Cultures are being broken down. My Mesopotamian culture is not more important than your Egyptian culture. It's more important than your Orthodox Jewish culture. We've all come together as one in Christ. And then a miracle takes place. A man who's begging, who cannot walk, he's crippled in his legs. And uh, Peter and John are walking to the time of prayer. And, the, and he says, hey, give me your attention. They felt something come on them. And they said, listen, silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I give to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And they grabbed his hand and they yanked this dude up. And for the first time in his life, he is vertical, not semi-horizontal. And he goes dancing and praising through the temple. And he's like, isn't that the guy? Well, understand this, what's happening? Remember, there's a culture in the temple. Do you see that? There's a culture where God is distant, political, and will tell you what he thinks. Now all of a sudden, God is close, intimate, and he's doing things that that system doesn't necessarily care for him doing. We executed Jesus. Please don't glorify him. So this is what happens. In Matthew chapter 4, they're arrested. 
and they're threatened. If you ever mention this name of Jesus again, your worst nightmares are on their way. Now knock it off. What happened? The culture of, of the religious Pharisees was being threatened by the culture of the kingdom of God. So they said, no, 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 this is our territory. I'm just trying to say this. Every time truth comes, lie will resist it. Every time light comes, darkness will do everything it can not to retreat. Every time, every time fact meets faith, there's going to be an argument, especially when fact has quotation marks around it. So that happens again. The culture of the kingdom was uprooting religious culture. The Sadducees said, no more. That's our culture. That's our dandelion. That's our weed. You can't remove it. Acts chapter 4. These guys celebrate being persecuted. They're like, hey, let's go to Denny's anyway. Dude, he threatens your life. You're going to get beat for sure. <laughs> Man, way, way to smart off to, you know, the, those people that tried to arrest us. That was awesome. Like, silver and gold have I none, you know, in your ear. You know, that was great. Like, we're counted worthy. And Jesus warned us in the Sermon on the Mount that blessed are you and men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven because in the same way they persecuted the prophets. They're like, Pete! Like, you got like a prophet's reward. Matt, you were a tax collector like three years ago, and now you got like a prophet's reward. Man, that's a good day. So what do they do? They go back and they celebrate persecution because they're nuts, as we should be, and they share everything again. The Bible says there's another season where everything is shared. In Acts chapter 5 now, the apostles heal many. Guess what happens later on in Acts chapter 5? Do you see the cycle? The apostles are arrested this time, and they're, and they're not just questioned. They're not just told not to they're beaten. They're flogged. You do this again, and you remember what we did to your founding member. We're going to do it to you. So the culture of the kingdom was uprooting the political culture of the Sanhedrin, the religious culture uh, of the, the Sadducees, and, and the same is true today. Are you guys, you're awfully quiet. You guys okay? I said politics, and now you're just all upset. Is that what it is? Okay, not politics. Uh, soap operas. It's, it's, it's politics. It's just a different word to use with it. So the cycle continues through the entire book of Acts. Now, work with me here. I'm going to mention some people that are not believers yet used Christ's teachings of the kingdom to uproot culture. Let's take the first one. His name's Mohandas Gandhi. Ever heard of Gandhi? Great movie, Ben Kinsley, all that kind of stuff, right? Now, his, his theology was Hinduism, uh, hybrid Buddhism, some Christianity, never gave his life to Christ that we're aware of, but the one place that he really embraced the teachings of Jesus was in the nonviolence. If your enemy strikes you on one cheek, turn the other. And in doing so, you will expose the injustice of, of the overlord of Great Britain enslaving India and South Africa and segregation. So he used nonviolence that he learned from Jesus, the kingdom teaching, and that kingdom interrupted the hatred, the segregation, the racism, the, the, the different classes and so forth, and caste system. And he uprooted those things. How? By just doing what Jesus told him to do. I know it's hard to amen that, but are you with me? Do you see that? He didn't burn down buildings. And those who did, he went on hunger fast to the point of suicidal. He said, I will not eat again unless the rioting stops. Why? Because he said, I don't want to live in a nation that, that isn't in unity. And I will not use violence to tamp down violence. I'll only use peace. It was the teachings of Jesus. Nelson Mandela, you ever heard of him? South Africa president, 27 years in a 10 by 10 prison cell out on the island and two other prisons. What was his crime? Overthrowing the state. Was he overthrowing the state? No, he's saying that black men and white men should be a nation, not segregated. That was it. And, oh, you're overthrowing the state, said the people that were in charge. 
that happened to be of a certain skin color. So they imprison him. When he gets out of prison after 27 years, what's the dude do? He publicly forgives his jailers based on who's teaching, based on who's thought, based on where did that come from? Is that the flesh of man to forgive someone who's, who's persecuted you for 27 years for doing the right thing? That's the teachings of who? Jesus, not Muhammad, not the teachings and tenets of Buddhism. That is the kingdom of heaven's instructions to bring the kingdom to earth, to uproot culture. The only way to do it is to substitute it with a superior culture, often at great sacrifice. And that's what he did. He got out and forgave everybody, put his name on a ballot, became the president of South Africa and said, we'll be one nation, regardless of our skin color. Called it the Rainbow Coalition. Mother Teresa, Catholic, she takes the teachings of Jesus about caring for the poor. And when the entire world said, we want to give a prize to somebody that, that embodies something so valuable that we're going to single that person out as a maker of peace. And this, this like four foot tall Romanian nun that lives in one of the poorest nations of the world who is known for sneaking out of meetings just to find dying people on the street so she can run her arthritic fingers through their hair and comfort them as they die in her arms is named the number one human being on the planet and is given the Nobel Peace Prize. How? Because she embraced the teachings of the kingdom. Are you guys seeing this? Say, dude, so I got to be imprisoned. Okay, I have to get arthritis. I got to find somebody dying. No, these principles work at work. If you're going to fight to bring the culture of heaven to earth, this has to work in your family. This has to work with your neighbor dispute over the fence line and the dog poop. This has to work with the kids that live next door that picked up the dog poop, put it in a bag, lit it on fire, and rang your doorbell. It has to work. Either it's true or it's not true. Either it's ultimately true, above all other truths, or we shouldn't listen to it anymore. One of my favorite modern-day heroes that used these same techniques to do the same justice propagation on earth, his name was Martin Luther King Jr. You ever heard of him? You probably have, because every city in America has an MLK Day, MLK Street. You know the army that he raised up to defeat tyranny? No, because there was no army. They marched. I was stationed and uh, trained for a while in Alabama. Right outside the gate was the town of Anniston, Alabama. When a bus of what was called Freedom Riders came through town, people that were on the outside of that issue used violence to try to get them not to go on the bus. They took Molotov cocktails and they threw it into a bus filled with living people. Of course, the bus caught on fire. People were killed. People were burned. As they came off the burning bus, they were beaten. They were shot. They were stabbed. And you know what the reaction was? They forgave the people who did it and found another bus and continued their journey. And the justice of their cause was so uplifted by their courage. In spite of what might look like a defeat, it wasn't. How many of you know that every time the devil punches, he loses? If we punch back, we both lose. But if he punches and we have the courage to take a blow for what is right, a superior truth that is self-evident, according to John Locke, according to our Declaration of Independence, and according to Jesus. Self-evident truth. Then in that, we can find this. So what are, the, what are the tactics of our warfare? Let's just take a look at Martin Luther King. Can we do that? You guys okay? I'm going to bounce with the scripture, but he talks about faith. What is faith? Faith is taking the first step even when you can't see the whole staircase. If anybody's quotable, dude, it's MLK, right? MLK and T.D. Jakes, can you imagine them in an argument? That would just be beautiful because those guys can both use words to make stuff happen, right? Faith is taking the first step even when you can't see the whole staircase. But, of course, our verse that we like to talk about here is Ephesians 2.10. That, you know, we're, we have a purpose in our life. We're God's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. And what are those works? I don't know, but you better be faithful to what you do know today. 
Because that's the principle of the kingdom. You want to bring the kingdom of God to earth, then understand this. You are the only thing God ever created that has the superpower of envisioning a, a tomorrow that is more just than today and making adjustments all along the way to make sure everybody gets loved, make sure everybody has a say. And by the way, I'm not talking about government programs. The, okay, say this the right way. I'm frustrated that people are frustrated at the government. I am. But can I stand as a pastor of a local church and tell you the reason the government is doing what it's doing is because the church failed to do what it was called to do? That if we didn't care for the poor, then we didn't need social security. So you can complain about social security, but I'd rather we as a church understood our role on the earth is to care for poor. What, what about the widow? What about the orphan? Well, we've got programs for that and money for that and laws with that. I, I know. But understand this. We would have needed none of those things if the church would have been the church and let the state be the state. But when the church fails to be the church or when the family fails to be the family, the state then steps in because they can. And they do a terrible, terrible job. So often. So are you mad at the state? Me too. But understand this. The only way to get rid of the state out of the issues that you care about is to make sure there's justice that we propagate on this earth so the state is out of work. Wouldn't it be great if all they had to do was like fix roads? Wouldn't that be great? Provide for the, the common defense, promote the general welfare at hand. Wouldn't that be great? To, to promote domestic liberty and prosperity to ourselves and our posterity. Do today here establish this Constitution of the United States. That sound familiar? Wouldn't it be great if the framers of the Constitution's dreams came to pass and the nanny went away because the church stood up? So we talk about kingdom builders. We talk about being the church, loving your neighbor, having dialogue with people, voting even. We're, we're not like we're, we're this, this separatist group that wants some sort of cultish control. No, we just want to be salt and light in the earth. We just want to love our neighbor. And so when we do those things, we put out of business the institutions established by men that I don't know that God ever had as a priority for the state to take care of my neighbor's kids. If their parents can't take care of them, whose responsibility is it? It's mine. I am to love my, as I love myself and my own kids. What about prayer? Here's a, here's a tactic we should try. What about getting on your knees instead of getting on your phone? That was so tweetable. Get on your phone right now. Get on your phone right now. That just came up. But boy, that's fun. That should be a bumper sticker. This is what, this is what MLK says. As the business of tailors is to make clothes and cobblers to make shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. Where do you get that from? There's this thing called the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and you shall seek and you're going to knock and the door will be. Because everyone who asks and everyone who seeks and to him who knocks the door will be. He's just quoting scripture. Both of these, he's just quoting scripture. He's just talking about faith. He's just talking about prayer, Right? What about, what about love? This is what he says about love that just blows me away. Returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Where do you get that from? Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. What about mercy? What about forgiveness? Because we're going to need some of this. Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It's a constant attitude. You know why he says that? Because he was one of the most hated people of his generation. Can I be honest with you? Billy Graham missed it on this guy. 
Billy Graham, you know, the patron saint of all things evangelical? Didn't like him at first, thought he was too radical, didn't endorse him. He later said it later on in life, it was one of the greatest mistakes he'd ever made. He should have been standing next to him, not opposing him in the press. I thought there was a piano playing. I thought we were at the end of the sermon, so the air conditioner kicked on. <laughs> well, where did he get that from? In the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 12, right? Forgive those, forgive us as we've been forgiven, we forgive others. But in chapter 6, verse 14, he comes back, the only part he comes back to of that radical teaching on prayer, he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. He knew that he needed God's help so prayer was a part of it. Faith was a part of it. Love was a part of it. But mercy had to be a part of it. Because I don't know about you, but if my friends got Molotov cocktail on a bus, I, I don't know that I'm that peaceful. I, can I just be honest with you? I think that's why um, Jesus had to save a weekend. Because if there isn't another way to fight, I'm going to fight the way I'm programmed to fight by my DNA. I want to find out who did that. I want to make sure that their kids, their friends, their families experience the same terror as my friends did. Now, pastor, settle down. I know, I'm not saying I'm going to do that. And if I ever do it, you would be the last people I'd tell about it. But I'm telling you this. Views expressed by the pastor, not necessarily those of Jesus or his management. But man, I'm telling you, he had to be forgiving. Why? Because if he returns evil for evil at this point, then everything he's done so far is for nothing. If Gandhi, if, if Nelson Mandela, if Mother Teresa ever turn and fight it the world's way, well, that will be all that's remembered. And all they labored for, all they sacrificed for, all they did to bring the kingdom, the culture of God, the culture of heaven to the cultures of this earth to redeem mankind will have been wasted. What about power? Look at what he says about power. This is crazy. Power without love is reckless and abusive. And love without power is sentimental, hallmarkish, and anemic. I added that one, but you know what I mean. Power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice. And justice at its best is power, correcting everything that stands against love. Where do you get that from? Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Let your culture come and let your will be done on this earth just like it is in your heaven. You get this? Piano girl, join me if you would. Jesus begins to preach the kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 4. But in Matthew 5 through 7, he gives literally the greatest collection of kingdom truth in human history. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. If you're not sure how to implement the justice of the king, if you're not sure what tools are yours to use, what weapons are yours to fight with, if you don't know what God wants to happen or how he wants it to happen, those are the three chapters that will give you every instruction you need. And I want to read it to you. I want, us, I want us together. You got your Bible, get it out. You got your phone, you know, get it out. Get off Facebook for a second. Get into this just for a moment here. Because I, I, think, I think we are facing, and we have been facing. <laughs> I don't want to be the guy that says, this is the most important political season of your lifetime. America and your rights are at risk, 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 risk. Donate to this cause. I'm just so sick of being conned. I'm so sick of being lied to. I'm so sick of not even knowing where to find the truth on which side of who's talking. How about you? So I want the truth, not a truth, or a version of a truth, or a side of a truth. I want the truth. This is the truth of Jesus. This is how we're to fight. This is how we're to live. This is how we're to die. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who have their strength under control, also known as meek, for they will inherit the earth. 
because God's going to do the fighting. God's going to do the comforting. God's going to bring the kingdom. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Here's a hard one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Can I add, they'll, they'll be called some other things too. But in the kingdom, they'll be called his children. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, doing what's right, right reasons, right way, right motivation, right timing, for theirs is the kingdom, the culture of heaven. And he turns it from this to this. Blessed are you when people insult you. You you came after their dandelion and they're defending it. Blessed are you when people falsely say all kinds of evil junk against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When the kingdom of God fights as it's ordered to fight, it never fails to win, but there's often quite a price to pay. You look at the great culture heroes. What, what do some of these people we've mentioned today have in common? Somebody hated what MLK said so much that he, he got out a, a weapon, he put a scope on it, he fired until he was proficient at it, and when he got his shot, he took it. And a man who preached nonviolence, nothing but peace because of what Jesus taught him to do and say was executed, was slaughtered, was murdered. You say, well, that's the end of it. Was that the end of it? If he'd ever shot anybody, that's called justice when he gets shot because those who live by the sword, what happens? They all... But, but when wars are fought through these means, even death produces victory. Even death. Abraham Lincoln, freeing the slaves. Death produced victory. A good man becomes a great man when someone kills him for a bad reason. It's just the way it is. And I'm not saying let's all go out there and get ourselves shot this week. Hallelujah, amen, mic drop. But I am saying this. Maybe the cost you have to pay is, is an argument on social media and forgiving someone who just, like a dog on a bone, won't let it go. You ever met one of those guys? But can I say this to you? Do you know how deeply disturbed? Do you know how utterly broken? Do you know how horribly lonely it must be to be an internet troll? That the only interaction that you get is just to fight for a stupid cause with stupid people who are willing to fight with you back. And he goes to sleep, and she goes to sleep at night going, yeah, justice was done. Justice wasn't done. You just, you're an obnoxious noise. You're a clanging cymbal. You're, you're a repetitive gong of information without love. So what does love do? Love listens a lot more than it speaks. Some of you are like, well, Jim, could you love me right now? Because this sermon's kind of going long. I... Wait till next week. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. We're priming the pump for something hard. But I just want you to know this. The culture of the kingdom is so different than the culture of this world that every time the culture of the kingdom advances, the world will say, hey, 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 you can come this way, but only if you do what we say, say it the way we say it, believe what we believe. Then the media gets a hold of one guy that makes that change. Aha, see, all the evangelical Christians are becoming like this guy. This guy is a hero. What are they doing? They're trying to replant weeds where God has planted seeds of the kingdom. So if the culture is going to advance, it won't advance because an angel shows and goes, may I have your attention, please? I am Gabriel. Sorry, Gabe. I have a message for you. Republicans are wrong. Democrats are wrong. Independents are wrong. Elect Ross Perot 2024. 
It's only an angel could because Ross has been dead for a long time. But look at this, guys. Hear me. You realize that we're talking about the, the, the first century, right? Did you know that by 313 AD, Christianity was no longer an outlawed sect of Judaism for which you could be executed? It was recognized by Constantine as a religion that could be, noted, that could be recognized in Rome. 312, 313 AD, Christianity is on the menu of things Romans can choose without being executed. This is after Nero. This is after Antiochus Epiphanes. This is after men who just for sport, uh, what's the dude that, uh, he was terrible and he, he lit, he dipped Christians in tar, lit, crucified them, then lit them on fire to light his garden parties. Nero, dude. I don't know about you, but there's certain smells I don't find attractive when I'm eating. Burning tar and burning flesh to the screams of his victims probably isn't the best setting. I mean, this guy makes Al Capone look like Mother Teresa. And after all of that persecution, after all of it, they just kept fighting the way they fight, fighting the way they fight, fighting the way Jesus taught us to fight, fighting. 312, it said, you know what? If you want to be a Christian, it's a recognized state religion of Rome under Constantine. Did you know that 80 years later, actually 70 years later, it became the state religion of Rome? Let me, let me get this in your head. In 310 AD, you could be executed for being a Christian. In 390 AD, you could be executed for not being a Christian. Now, the church took a weird turn when the state and the church and the church and the state became the same thing. It took a weird turn. One of the reasons our founders found it important to put an amendment that talked about separations of religious, you know, that it won't be a religious state because when it's a religious state, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts how? They recognized that. Power corrupts absolutely. So they said, let's, let's be equal but separate. This will be the citizenry. This will be the state. We'll try to stay out of your way. You guys love God as you see fit. But understand this, and I hope I'm getting across to you. If we're going to change the world, yes, we should vote. It's a democracy. Yes, we should serve. We should give to political causes, and we should knock on doors if we want to and all that stuff. But understand this. What really wins the fight is not who gets elected in two weeks. What really wins the fight is how we leave here today. What we leave is kingdom fighters. What battles do you face today? What battles do you face today? And what weapons are you using to fight them? And I... I know you got a crazy mother-in-law. I know your neighbor's an idiot. I know probably half the room at one point or another said, I don't think I like the way he said that. But I have to tell you something. I really don't care. And number two, if I've taught anything in error, you correct me and next week I'll come back and I'll teach it a different way. What I'm fighting for today is not your cause and the politician's thing and the pet peeve of, the things that irritate us so they activate us that the media and the soap operas love to do. It is time for the church of the living God to separate itself from the world. And I don't mean that we're, we're going to go become Amish and do our own thing. Nothing against the Amish. I'm saying this. We're supposed to be in this world. We're not supposed to be like it. So we don't fight the way the world fights. We have weapons that tear down strongholds in prayer. We have angels on our side. We've got truth. We've got the manual. But that, that's not expedient. I'd rather just protest. You can protest, but I mean, come on. If you want to change the world, don't be like it. Don't be like it. Well, that's harder than the other way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, MLK, good story, Jim, but the dude died. Yeah. But I'm just telling you this. The primary and first message of everybody that you think of is wonderful in the New Testament. Guess what their message was? There's a culture in heaven that God really wants to bring through you to this earth. So your enemies, you got to love them. Your persecutors, you got to forgive them. The hungry, you got to feed them. The naked, you got to clothe them. The cause of Christ to the nations, you got to send them. You got to go. 
How are we going to do that? Well, here's prayer. Talk to me about it. I'd really like to partner with you in the reclaiming of the planet that was lost to sin. Matter of fact, let's just have a co-mission. Let's just do a father-son project, a daddy-daughter dance. Let's just change the world. How do I do that? Well, one good choice at a time. Next week, we'll come back and talk about some of those choices. You guys still here? This side of the room? Okay, hold it. You guys still here? Okay. I know Tom's with me. I love Tom. Thank you. Thank you, Tom, man. I love that. All right. So, Father, what you taught us to do, and we're going to do it right now, you taught us to love the hardest people in our lives to love are the people that disagree with us most violently. It's, it's like the devil put a turd in my punch bowl sometimes when I look at the people that are sent my way just to make everything awful. God, I forgive them all because you forgave them all. <laughs> I had a neat moment and I, I'm just, eyes are closed, eyes are bowed. I had a neat moment the other day. A guy who absolutely tried to drag this church through the mud lied about my family. I, I mean, not lied like it was, I mean, lied, lied about terrible accusation, felony type stuff. It was crazy. And people didn't believe him, but he was just a little nuts. And I saw him the other day for the first time in years. He was walking down the street and I saw him. And in that moment, there's not time to prepare for what you think or feel. You think and you feel. His, his physical appearance had changed so drastically that my first response was to say, oh, Jesus, he needs you. He doesn't need any more gravy. <laughs> he needs some push-ups. <laughs> he needs some, and I, I know his family history. I know the heart disease. God, help him. And I thought afterwards, why was that my first prayer? Why was that my first thought? Oh, he doesn't look good. Lord, help him. I'll tell you why. Because long, long, long ago, I chose to forgive and love my enemy. So he's not my enemy anymore. He's my friend. And just like you seeing someone who's never hurt you, I saw a man who tried to hurt me, tried to hurt my children, tried to hurt my wife. But because he'd been forgiven so long ago, my first reaction was, God, he's fat. Help, help me. And help me too while you're at it. Amen. Church, hear me. Who do you need to forgive? We're allowed to kill all of our enemies, by the way. It's biblical. I mean, Old Testament, yeah. But how do we kill our enemies in the New Testament? You kill the things that are killing you that they did through mercy, through forgiveness, through love. And whether they choose to continue to be your enemy or not, you're not theirs. You love them. Like a father loves a naughty child, you have a different perspective than the average person because you're so loved, there's really no excuse for not being so loving. That makes sense? Faith. How are we going to change this world? I mean, I'm not saying don't go to the school board meeting, don't vote, I'm not saying any of those things. Just saying, if you get a chance to speak at the school board meeting, make sure to never say something Jesus wouldn't say. Because they saw the fish sticker on your car. And you represent more than just your opinions. The world has become so evil that the love of most has grown cold. I'm calling this church in particular, in Pontotoc, in Grand Blanc, wherever you're listening, Linden, Holly, Florida, New York, our friends on radio, all, I'm calling this, those who can hear my voice, I'm calling you to be what Jesus called you to be. You're the salt of the earth, man. You're the light of the world. So we don't fight the way the world fights. We don't take up the causes. And when we do, we don't take up the causes the way the world takes up causes. Peter cuts off Malchus's ear and Jesus says, don't do that. That's not the way we fight. Heals the ear. Tells Peter to put down his sword. 
So Father, today, this is going to take a lot. I mean, I'm a fighter. It took me 30 years of thinking about this to begin to scratch the surface of it. Never taught on this before. For good reasons, I never taught on this before. But this week, I'm going to teach on it. Because the legs of my stool, the legs of our stool, you are here. You know everything. You have all the power we need, and you are good. And so we don't have to fight as if we're orphans. We can fight as if we have a father who can fight. And we fight the way we fight because that's the way our daddy taught us to fight. That's the way our daddy taught us to fight. So Jesus, help us to win. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You're hearing like, Jim, um, uh, I came here looking for hope, man. And you taught me how to fight. Let me just give you 30 seconds of hope. You ready? I don't think you're here by accident. I think you're here because God is good. And he knows everything that's going on in your life right now. He has all the power you're ever going to need. And he's been with you every step of the way. And he's led you to this moment. Maybe not the previous 30 minutes, but this moment, it's for you. You're here because God brought you here. You're here because he loves you. (laughs) He knows everything. He's been everywhere. When you've cried, trust me, it broke his heart too. Everything that matters to you matters to him. You matter to him. And today, it is my belief that his kingdom, his culture, can be a gift. His his way of seeing things, his way of fighting, his way of dreaming, his way of loving can be something that is placed in you. Not, Not just taught to you, but literally inserted inside of your being and you begin to live differently. You don't even know why sometimes. But I would just say this, anything that stands between your heart and his needs to go. So how can it go? Repent. Change your mind. Change your course. Change your life. Repent. Because the domain, the culture of heaven, it's, it's here. It's at hand. And if you right now would reach out and touch it, it would save your marriage. It might not help you win an argument. But it can help you win a war. It can save your business. Why? It, it might not change the numbers in your Excel spreadsheet, but it'll change your, your thoughts about what those numbers are. When you position yourself for miracles, when you position yourself for rain, you get rained on. Stay inside, doesn't matter how it's raining, but when you change your position to where rain is, when you change your position to where blessing is, when you change your position to where the king is, you will have the culture of the king and all that comes with it. If you're here right now, you're like, Jim, I need Jesus. You lied to me. You said 30 seconds. It's been three minutes. But, but other than that, I believe what you said. Today, I want to give my life to Christ. Today, here, now, I want to give my life for Jesus and to Jesus. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You ready? Are you ready? Everything changes. Repent. Change your mind. You're not an orphan. You don't have to do this alone. He's with you. He's got this. He knows you. (laughs) For the kingdom of heaven is here. It's at hand. Reach out. Come on, right where you are right now. God, I receive the culture of heaven and its king. I receive the lordship of Jesus Christ. I I receive the mercy that you commanded me. How could you command me to forgive my enemy 70 times 7 and not do more than that, infinitely more than that? If I as a human being are commanded to 490 acts of mercy per day, even the same sin in the same center over and over and over and over again, then who are you to tell me to do that if you're not willing to do abundantly more? So it doesn't matter how many times I've sinned the same sin. It matters how many times you're willing to forgive. So we repent even of that lie. We change our mind. We pivot to point our life towards Jesus Christ and we follow where you lead us.
in love and in mercy. God, I pray for the revolution that is now needed. Not a, let, not a revolution of swords and Molotov cocktails and guns. A revolution of people willing to step across and be a peacemaker. People understanding light has to displace darkness. It has to. And when darkness throws a fit, that's what darkness does. Demons only scream just before they come out. They don't scream at any other time. So Lord, let the culture, let the world scream. We're going to take care of our neighbor. We're going to forgive each other and those who persecute us. We're going to consider it a blessing and high-five each other at Denny's. That was a good church today, man. So Lord, help us to learn a new way to walk and a new way to fight and a new way to win in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? Yeah. I'm sorry. Isn't she cute? Little fat bulldog puppy. Isn't she adorable? Used to be a a pet parent, grandparent, before I was a grandparent. I have pictures of kids on other things. So, um, We didn't do this last week. I wasn't quite sure if we were ready to, but I understand that people who have a ministry of prayer are going to kind of come and stand in the sections. Um, uh, they're, they're covered in anointment right now. I spit quite a bit. So there's, there's a lot of anointing in these front rows. And if you need prayer for anything, we just love to spend some time and pray with you. You guys okay? Yeah. Seems kind of sober today. Usually the second service treats me this way. Was it, was it a hard message? Help me with the next message. More jokes? Scream more? Stomp a little bit? What's what I need to do? It was great? It was great. Oh, so good to have my mother here today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Push-ups? You mind to do push-ups? They're good for me? <laughs> All right. Well, online, God bless you guys. Go get them. And if you need prayer, come on. We got prayer warriors moving forward. If you need prayer, come and get it. If not, live long, prosper. And you told me I'm going somewhere afterwards? Guest room. I'll be back in the guest room, guys. If you want to hang out, Pastor Josh.